0: My name is Alex Barthet. I am a board certified construction attorney here in South Florida. And today we're going to talk about each step in the process to get you paid after you record your lien. So let's dive right in. So on today's agenda, we're going to talk about what a lien is and how it works. We're going to talk about what happens after you record the lien um, and some misconceptions that uh, uh, many contractors believe occurs when you record a lien. Then we'll talk about the process of how to get paid each step in the process so that you can get paid um, we'll talk about some scenarios most common scenarios that you may run into um, one is if your lien is bonded off two is what if the other side sends a notice of contest of lien and three what happens if you receive a 20-day summons these are three common things that may occur After you record the lien, we'll talk about each one and how to deal with it. All right. So let's talk about what is a lien. It is an encumbrance on real property. It attaches to the real property based on a legal right that you have as a contractor, based on the fact that when you provide improvements, permanent improvements to the property, the law gives you a right to sell that property in order to satisfy the debt it creates what's called a cloud on the title and it can prevent the sale of the property or the refinancing or mortgaging of the property when your lien is there. Um, Under most mortgages or loan documents, having a lien on your property, even if that lien is recorded after um, the mortgage is recorded, typically constitutes a default, usually a technical default, Under most mortgages. Um, What does that mean? That means that if the lender were to find out about the lien, they would probably start by sending a letter to the owner saying, hey, you have this lien, it constitutes a default, please take care of it. Um, And at the discretion of the lender, they may decide to be a little more insistent on the resolution of the lien. During the course of construction, and this is really where we see a lot of the pressure uh, brought to bear. Um, with a lien, it typically constitutes a default under the prime construction contract. Um, And it will prevent the lender, owner, or contractor from funding. So for example, if you're an electrician and your electrical supply house records a lien on the project, uh, that lien during the course of construction will likely prevent the owner or lender from funding the contractor and thereby prevent the contractor from funding you, the electrician, because that lien is there. So it creates a whole bunch of problems um, on the project as the project is ongoing. So what happens after you record the lien? Um, in short, nothing happens. Um, so the first misconception that we hear from clients on a regular basis is that, that um, well, you know, the clerk is going to check my lien to make sure it's accurate. That's not true. The lien is a document that's prepared by the lienor or uh, or a service like Sunray or an attorney, and the clerk does not review it as long as it's a document that meets the minimum requirements um, and has uh, a notarization on it, meaning it's sworn to. The clerk will record it. I could right now, if I wanted to, prepare a lien um, and record it on any one of your projects. I've never been there. I've never done any work on your projects. That doesn't stop the me from recording it. It will not prevent the clerk from t- taking that lien and recording it in the public records, and now you'll have to deal with it. So just know that, that there's no uh, gatekeeper at the clerk's office preventing liens from being recorded. Uh, So if you are, for example, a contractor and one of your subs or one of their suppliers records a lien and they never had a right to do it, maybe they never sent a notice to owner, maybe they didn't deliver the product that they were supposed to, no one's going to check that um, to prevent the lien from being recorded. Um, Unless the lien bothers the owner or the contractor enough to pay you, it's not going to cause you to be paid um the lien is not a self executing document this is another misconception we hear from our clients well i recorded a lien so you know they have to pay me technically they don't um they could just let the lien sit on the uh in the public records until it expires and it expires 1 year from the recording date of the claim of lien there are ways for it to be shortened and we'll talk about those but you if it doesn't bother the owner nothing happens so a classic example is let's say you're a roofer you do work on a residential homeowner's house uh there's no mortgage on the property uh they don't pay you $10,000 so you record a lien and you think well because i've recorded the lien now the owner's got to pay me no the owner could just let the lien sit there and do nothing and in a year that lien will expire Um, automatically. It cannot be renewed. There's no such thing as recording a new lien after the first lien expires. So um, just know that it's up to you to enforce your rights with respect to this lien. So that leads to the question, how do I get paid? What are the steps I need to follow in order to get paid once I record my lien? So as I mentioned before, the lien only starts the process. It creates a legal right that you have in the property um, to sell that property at a foreclosure sale in order to get paid, but it is only the beginning. So let's talk about this foreclosure process. The foreclosure process is is just a legal action. It is no different than any other civil court case that needs to be filed. So um, substantively, it's not any different than a real estate transaction that went bad, or a divorce, or a slip and fall, someone needs to, a lawyer needs to file a lawsuit in the court system asking the property to be sold at public auction. That's what a foreclosure action is. Um, It is also similar to any other court action in its cost and time. So most court cases take between Twelve to twenty four months to move through the court system to their completion at a trial, but that being said, you know in our office at any given time, we have about five hundred cases, and most cases settle anywhere from three to nine months after the case is brought um, and a settlement occurs when the parties come together and decide that they're willing to make a deal um in order to resolve the dispute, stop paying legal fees and move on. Uh, Some cases continue for years. We have cases in our office that are five years old and they've been actively litigated those entire five years. Um, So just be aware that uh, a foreclosure action is no different, uh, nothing special. Uh, What is different about it is that the end result is the sale of the property. As I told you, you have one year from the recording date to file that lawsuit to foreclose on the lien. If you don't file that lawsuit within that one year period, the lien automatically expires and you cannot re-record the lien. The only way to keep your lien alive when you get close to that one year is to file the lawsuit to foreclose. But you don't have to wait till the one year in order to start the process. So that's why I say that you should practice what I call the 60-60 rule. So no later than 60 days from your last work, you need to start the process to record the lien. You have 90 days from last work, calendar days, to record the lien. Do not wait till day 84, 85, 88 to start the process. It takes time, effort, and coordination. Um, the lien is a Uh, Somewhat complicated document. It has many fields that need to be completed. Maybe you need to get that information from other folks on your team. Maybe they're not available on the day you need them. Uh, The clerk's office is getting better, but there have been times, uh, especially during the recent past when, for example, the Miami-Dade County clerk was taking seven full days to record a document. Um, So you don't want to be uh, submitting your lien on the 88th day, and having it sit in the queue for seven days in the clerk's office. Most clerks now are open for in-person recording, so that usually will speed things up. Usually, if you are willing to wait in line, you can get a document recorded the same day. Um, Sunray uses uh, an electronic filing system, so they can record your documents anywhere in the state. Uh, electronically, but again, it's not like Amazon where they get it done right away. uh, Some clerks take several days to record that document even if it's purely electronic. So you've now recorded your lien um, and you've started that process no later than 60 days from your last work. What do you do next? I recommend for the next 60 days, hassle your customer and the owner for payment send emails, text messages, phone calls, go visit people at their office, sit in their their office, wait to see them to pick up your check. Do whatever it is you have to do to try to get paid over the next 60 days. Our most successful clients at collection use this 60 days aggressively. Um, They're making phone calls once a week, several times a week, followed up with emails, visiting the customer, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Uh, collections is a, um, is a a process in which you need to be very active if you want it to work. If you ignore it, ignore the the debtor, they will ignore you because they are busy dealing with other problems. So you need to be the problem they have to deal with. So you should do that for the next 60 days. However, if after 60 days, you have not made any meaningful progress on getting paid, then I strongly recommend at that point, then you submit the claim to a construction lawyer for collection, who will typically start with a demand letter on their letterhead to the customer, and then start that foreclosure process if the letter doesn't work. So, except for some business reasons that you may have, and we'll talk about those right now, I would not delay past the 6060 rule. Your legal case is not going to get any better because you decide to wait. Um, people may leave your company, witnesses may um take other jobs in other jurisdictions, uh, they get fired, uh documents get destroyed, people's cell phones uh you know fall into the toilet and their text messages that get deleted all of that happens the more time passes so you do not want to continue to wait uh, if you cannot get paid now maybe this is a customer a client of yours where they owe you five thousand dollars on this project and you have four other projects going on and everything's fine so you decide you know what i'm not going to let this small claim affect my relationship i'm just going to let it sit and let's see what happens over the next few months that's a perfectly valid reason to wait. But unless you have some articulable reason that you want to wait, you should not continue to delay your collection efforts. So that's generally the process um, uh, to get paid once you record the lien. But let's talk about some of the things, some of the speed bumps that may get thrown at you, uh, three of them in particular, and how to deal with them. So one, your lien gets bonded off. What does that mean? How does it work? And what should you do? In my opinion, you should celebrate. The reason you should celebrate is that in a foreclosure sale, you only are able to recover the equity in the property. So if you put a lien on my property for $200,000 and it's worth a million dollars, but I have a million dollar mortgage or a $900,000 mortgage, your lien is likely going to be after my mortgage, and there's not enough equity to pay you. So if you go forward with the foreclosure sale, there's not likely going to be a recovery for you. So you are underwater. However, if I bond the lien off, what does that mean? That means I have to go to the clerk's office with either a lien transfer bond that I get from a surety, or I go to the clerk with cash. Um, And I take that lien and I set it aside off the property, either to the transfer bond or to the cash. The rough formula, it's not exact, but the rough formula is that I have to post about 150% of the claim amount in my bond. So if your lien is for, let's say, $100,000, I'm going to have to come up with $150,000 of a transfer bond or cash uh, and bring that to the clerk. So that means now there's a segregated set of money sitting there protecting my lien. So even if there's a big mortgage, even if um, the property has no equity, it doesn't matter because my lien is now fully securitized and then some. Um, The extra 50% is intended to cover interest and expected legal fees um, on on the lien and the claim. The one thing you need to, to expect, though, when someone uh, bonds off your lien is that you need to be prepared to fight. And the reason is no one in their right mind would do go through that entire process um, if they could just pick up the phone and call you and say, how can we work this out? If that was their intention, they would have done that before they went through the time and expense of bonding off the lien. So in our experience, I've been doing this for almost 25 years, I will tell you, in every single case that a lien is bonded off litigation is required so if your lien gets bonded off you should be happy that now your fully your lien is fully securitized but you should immediately start the litigation process i would our, our advice when clients come to us with their lien is bonded off is we, we skip the letter we don't even send the letter we start straight away with the lawsuit Uh, against the transfer bond and the customer because um, the reason they bonded it off is they didn't want to pay so let's start the process now. There's no sense waiting. Um, Number two, I received a notice of contest of lien. Now what do I do? So I told you before that you need to file a lawsuit on your lien within one year of the recording date of the claim of lien. The exception is if you receive this document called the notice of contest of lien. You only have 60 days from the day that the clerk stamps that document to record your claim of lien. On the 61st day, your lien automatically expires unless within that time you file your lawsuit to foreclose on the lien. So if you receive a notice of contest of lien, what do you do? You need to hire a lawyer right away and you need to file your lawsuit to foreclose immediately. So. The document is prepared and, uh, by the uh, person that wants to contest it, brought to the clerk, and the clerk will stamp it. And it will have a stamp where the clerk says, this document has been recorded and mailed on this date. That's when the 60 days are on. 60 days includes every calendar day, weekdays, and legal holidays, all the way through the 60 days. Do not wait until the end. This is a document, by the way, that you will get via certified mail to the address that's listed in your notice to owner. So in your notice to owner, um, I've used Sunray, for example, at the bottom it says, uh, all service of all documents shall be sent to this address. So that is your current mailing address. That's the address that they need to send it to. So that's where the certified mail will go. When you get it, then you have, again, 60 days to file your lawsuit to foreclose. Um, And then it's automatic. On the 61st day, the the lien is automatically discharged. There's nothing you can do. There's no way to revive it after the 60 days. Sometimes 60 days is too long and owners or contractors may employ what's called a 20-day summons. So what happens if you receive a 20-day summons? Just like the 60-day notice, you need to file your lawsuit to foreclose immediately. So we, we talked about the rule one year from recording is when you have to bring your uh, foreclosure action. Now that's reduced to 20 days if you receive a 20 day summons. How do you know that you get a 20 day summons? Unlike the 60 day notice which is sent to you by certified mail, the 20 day notice, the 20 day summons is actually served upon you by the sheriff or a process server. so you it'll come to you like a lawsuit. Because it is a lawsuit. The the owner or the contractor has to file a lawsuit with the court and serve it upon you. And then on the 21st day after it has been served, your lien automatically expires. Um, So, what do you have to do? You have to file a new action to foreclose, or in that lawsuit where they sued you, you have to file a counterclaim to foreclose your lien. If you don't, your lien will automatically expire. So uh, with that, Ariella, do we have any questions?
1: So far, we don't have any questions, but while people think about some questions to ask, um, I know that a lot of people on our on our webinar today they are saying, okay, well, we have these these tools, um, we have this lien on the property. Um, two things. One, you know, how, how do we get paid for the lien? Um, and you know, we're already out. Forty thousand dollars. How do we get paid? You know, if we if we had have to have um, an attorney prepare the lien or uh, have collection costs, is that something that they can have as part of their collection fees and attorneys' costs, so that when they lien properties, they get that money back?
0: Sure. So um, the way it works is that at the discretion of the court, um, once once you file your lawsuit and you prevail. Chapter 713, which is the lien statute, says that the prevailing party is entitled to recover their legal fees. So, um, again, it's still within the discretion of the court. The court could say, no, I don't think anyone won this case um, to get their legal fees. That that's, doesn't happen often, but, but it could. Um, and, but assuming the judge says, okay, uh, subcontractor or supplier, you're the winner. You're entitled to your legal fees. Uh The Court will then have a separate mini trial on the amount of the fees, so maybe your attorney has incurred five ten, fifteen fifty thousand dollars in legal fees. you'll have a small mini trial typically it'll take a few hours in front of the Judge for the Judge to determine the value of those fees. So the short answer to your question, Ariella, is yes. If you prevail on your lien much more often than not, if you go the distance, you will recover you should recover. Some or all of your legal fees.
1: Okay, great. Um, we have another. We have a question from someone. Um, at what point, dollar amount, uh, does it make? Okay, hold on one second. Let me just reread this. Okay, let me try to reread. What is a rough estimate cost of a foreclosure? At what point does it make sense to consider this? And that is a really. That actually, um I was going to ask that next. You know, here you are on a project and you are owed. You know, and I don't want to say only, but you're owed $10,000 and clients come to you and they say, hey, I'm owed $10,000. And then you go, well, the retainer is $5,000 and that can go by, go very, very quickly. So what do you tell clients that are in that situation? I'm owed this money and I, how do I get paid on that? And And I think that one of the parts of that is perhaps, and the answer I'm looking for is maybe also address maybe small claims court as well.
0: So, small claims court we'll start with that um, was just the rules were recently changed to increase the limit of uh, the amount of the claim that you can bring from five thousand to eight thousand and I believe there's a rule in place that will next year allow it to go up to fifteen thousand so though that means that you can bring your own case without the need of a lawyer in small claims court um and as that number the the jurisdictional threshold increases, it'll give you better opportunities to pursue the claims yourself. I would tell you, at least with respect to small claims, we are teaching clients probably one every month or every other month, one of our clients, how to undertake the small claims process. Um, So what we typically do is we walk through one with them, Uh, we give them all the forms, we show them how the system works, we connect them with the process server and get them set up on the uh, electronic filing system. And then from there on out, they've designated someone in their office to handle the small claims cases themselves. Um, now that the jurisdictional threshold has increased, we see more and more clients wanting to do it. It makes financial sense to learn how to do it and be proficient at it. So you don't have to pay a lawyer. As far as the costs associated with bringing a, a, a uh, foreclosure action, you know, just to give you some ballparks, you're you're probably looking at about $1,500 to $2,000 to prepare the lawsuit, pay the filing fee, uh, pay the process server. So that just starts the lawsuit um, to, uh, to move forward. The other side is able to assert any defenses they want. Your work was no good. I never received the materials. We had to supplement your forces. And that and those defenses are really what's going to drive the total cost of the litigation. What I tell clients most often is that it's unfortunate that that's the system that we're in, but know that the that the debtor, the party that owes you money, has no real obligation to pay you until you force them to pay you. So many cases, as I said, settle. So. Usually, the best way to do it is a slow escalating process. Start with a lien, actively pursue it yourself for 60 days, hire a lawyer, they'll send a letter, which is a few hundred dollars to send a demand letter. If that doesn't work, file the lawsuit and take it one step at a time to see, you know, as you tighten the noose on the debtor, what is causing them to come to the table and make a deal. Um, So we've had clients that. They have us pursue cases for four or five, six, thousand um, dollars, and we can make it work. It doesn't work all the time, uh, but you know it's a numbers game. You can't look at each one by themselves. You have to say, "Here's all of my collections. Let me work on them in a group and see if I can monetize this debt that, but for doing something will likely have to be written off because you've tried everything you can, and you can't turn it into cash.
1: Very good, we have two more questions and one thing I also would like to add that I think is very important um, is venue. Um, And venue for um, those who don't know it, if you're going to file a lawsuit, um, um, I think Alex can go into more detail about this, but you wanna make sure that um, if you are going to have a a lawsuit with your your client, um, you wanna make sure that it's near your county. So you could be working um, on a job in um, in Orlando, and your, office, your, your home office is in Fort Lauderdale. So you wanna be very careful in your contract where you file that lawsuit. So just that's another thing you wanna be very careful with with your larger contracts. So if you wanna elaborate on that, and we have two more questions. And for the gentleman um, person who, asked the question, they said, thank you very much. But if you want to elaborate on that, and we have two more questions and these will probably be our last two.
0: Sure, so on venue, just know that the law requires that you have to bring the action in the county where the property is located on your lien. So I may have a contract right to be paid in Ariella's example, Fort Lauderdale, but if if the project is in Orlando and I have lien rights in Orlando, I have to bring the, foreclosure action in Orlando. And the reason is is that only the uh, county of Orlando, uh, I guess Orange County, um, has jurisdiction to enforce that lien, enforce the sale. So any anywhere you do work that you have lien rights, that's the jurisdiction where the case is gonna be brought on your lien.
1: It's been paid by an owner and we placed a lien on the property. Is the lawsuit on the owner or the GC? Do we try to get paid from the GC or owner on the pro- of the property?
0: So we run into the situation often um, and when we get it, we ask our client, do you want us to pursue the lien or both the lien and the contract? Um, what we typically find is that our supplier clients um, want to pursue the lien and they will typically leave their customer out of it um, if they have a working relationship with the customer. So they will pursue the lien and leave their contract action alone, but it's up to the client. Um, it really depends on the relationship you have. So, for example, if I'm a sub and I have a lien on a project and I have three other jobs with the same GC, maybe I don't want to sue the GC and I just want to pursue my lien. Um, so it it is not a hard and fast rule. You can do uh, either, or you can sue either one or both. Uh, But one of the things you definitely want to do is not forego pursuing your lien. That is probably the best and fastest way to get paid. So the question typically is, do I want to just pursue my lien or do I want to pursue my lien in my contract? The last point on that is if you signed a contract with a GC or a sub, just know that you may have a pay when paid provision. So if I'm a subcontractor, let's say I'm the AC contractor and I have a pay when paid provision in my contract with the GC and I have a lien, if the GC hasn't been paid and I have a pay when paid provision in my contract, I, I don't actually have a right to sue him on the contract because he hasn't been paid. So I would only have a action on my lien.
1: Great. Thank you so much, Alex.
0: One last question.
1: If we can, that'd be great. Um, I think this is a wonderful question. Um, if there's no equity in the property to pay you from the foreclosure, then what do you do?
0: So you have two choices. One, you can try to make the determination early on that there's no equity. So you don't waste your time and money foreclosing on a lien that likely will not produce any, uh, results. Um, or, you can pursue the lien and you can get what's called a deficiency judgment. So, you could get a personal money judgment against the owner of the property for any amounts that aren't recovered by the foreclosure sale. That being said, one of the things that I will tell you uh, is most common and that is that even if there's little or no equity, the lien by itself Has a great amount of pressure to get you paid, including the foreclosure sale, the the threat of the foreclosure sale. And what I mean by that is is this example. Let's assume that I'm a developer, right? And I am building a rental building, and the total construction cost is $10 million, and I have a $9 million construction loan. Well, that extra million dollars, the, the lender is probably gonna have required. That I put in that equity. And let's say you have a $100,000 lien because you're the roofer and you haven't been paid. Now, maybe there's enough equity, maybe there isn't. It's kind of close, depends on you know, what the sale price of the property may be. But the real power is that if I, as the developer, let you take this property for your $100,000 lien, that means my million dollars worth of equity gets wiped out. So I may decide to pay you your $100,000 or make a deal with you just not because I really want to pay you the hundred, um, but because I don't want to lose my million dollars of equity that I've put into this property so far. So in order to save my equity, I need to make a deal with you. And this is true even when there is no equity in the property at a public sale. But I, as the developer, I'm trying to preserve the equity that I put in to make this whole deal happen. So much more often than not, I would tell you that even if there's no real likelihood of a a successful foreclosure sale, bringing pressure on the owner through a foreclosure does go a long way at getting you paid. So with that, Ariella, thank you for the opportunity um, and thank you everyone for participating. Have a great day.